What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you are tuned in to Kinda Neat. Thank you guys for tuning in, as always. Today on the show, we talk to Raphael, the frontman of prayers who are kind of the in the forefront of the of a, a movement called cholo goth and so some of you guys might have read about them and uh if not this is a good chance to learn about them because rafael man he has got some stories to tell he has lived some life and it was a dope conversation uh but before we get into that it's snowing it's snow season in california it's been snowing in the mountains it, it, we didn't i don't think it got as much as uh people thought it was supposed we were supposed to because this week was supposed to be like extremely rainy in la supposedly monday through friday were all supposed to be rainy days and really i think i only got rain here from like uh i don't know like maybe monday and a little bit on wednesday what it just wasn't everybody's like oh my god el nino is coming but then it was like really just very very nino and that is to say that when it's raining in los angeles it's snowing in the mountains that are about two hours away and when it's snowing in the mountains that means there's good snowboarding and being raised in alaska snowboarding is one of my favorite hobbies and pastimes and it was one of my first loves and it's really the reason that i got into photography uh because initially i got a camera going like oh i want to shoot my friends that are really rad at snowboarding doing like backflips and stuff and so here we are today i'm just like the old dude that likes to snowboard uh, <laughs> which is it's tight you know like when i was a kid it, old like middle class dudes would ski and now i'm like an old middle class dude that snowboards it doesn't really have its like punk rock vibe that it used to when i started but that's all right i have already been a couple times this year i like to just go up by myself i always think of like the movie 72 hours or whatever or 27 hours or whatever the fuck it's called the one where like uh the one where james franco gets caught in the rock because he like leaves and doesn't call anybody to tell him where he's going and then he gets like lost in those rocks and i never like really tell anybody like oh yeah I'm, hey i'm driving a few hours away to go snowboarding by myself and uh you know if i like drive off a cliff or somebody nobody would know that's a dark thought anyhow I like to go and just like put on headphones and cruise around. When I was a kid, I used to like to do jumps and stuff and like, I don't know what they would call them now, like stunts. I don't know. I used to like to like, you know, hit the tabletops, get gnarly, get fucking pitted, be radical. But now I just like to keep my board on the ground and go really fast and cruise around and dodge all the kooks that are hanging out, bailing by the bottom of the lift. And yesterday was uh the day that i got to go with all my little nephews for their first time ever snowboarding and it was so tight because you know the story goes i told it on the last podcast a little bit the uh our family friend ray he took me to learn how to ski um the first time when i was like eight years old maybe and uh he just kind of like took me to the top of the mountain and said okay get down to the bottom and i went all right and just did it and you know nowadays everybody wants to buy their kids lessons and blah 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 blah. back in my day we didn't take lessons so anyhow my little nephews like they're it's crazy nolan the 12 year old we talked about him before he's autistic but he's like has learned to ride a bike and he skateboards really well and then uh the seven-year-old gavin he uh he's about to turn eight this month he is a straight ripper at skateboarding and then uh devin is only four and he's like a ripper at skateboarding too it's crazy but it's also adorable that he like does it because he still looks like a little he looks like a little baby on a skateboard it's like crazy so 
We took them all snowboarding. The only problem with that was that everybody in Southern California was trying to go to the same place at the same time. There's only one road up to Bear. So what would have usually taken me about two and a half hours turned into what would have been like a six-hour drive because that road up to the mountain, we were literally in park. There was so much traffic trying to get up the mountain to Bear that I'm pretty sure like everybody was just giving up or, or like if they got there they probably weren't weren't getting there until it was like time to just turn around and go home anyway. So there is this little mountain on the way up called Snow Valley. And I was like, we had just gotten past it. And usually I just drive right past Snow Valley because it's always empty. And I, sometimes like the lifts aren't even running. They don't get as much snow as, as Bear does because it's a little farther down the mountain. But it was dumping and, and they had a bunch of snow and all the lifts were open. And it was packed, but it probably wasn't like Bear packed. And I'm like, dude, we're just taking like three little kids that want to learn how to snowboard. And we're going to be on the easy hill all day. So let's just turn around and go to Snow Valley. So we went to Snow Valley. We got through the lines there because the line to get lift tickets and rentals was insane. We get through that and we finally get up on the mountain. What I was thinking we were going to be on the mountain by like 10 o'clock, maybe 10 a.m. We end up getting on there finally at like one o'clock because we wait for food. We had to get food too. It was like an hour wait for food. It was just like every everything was just hurry up and wait. Because, like I said, everyone in Southern California was trying to go snowboard or ski yesterday because it was just like everyone knew that the snow had hit and it was a Saturday. So we finally get on the mountain and the kids, I feel like, oh, man, I blew it with these kids and we're taking them on a bad day and they're all going to think that snowboarding sucks because it's just like so much waiting and so much renting and and being in line for things. I'm like, they're going to hate this shit. And then we get up and take the first run and... Uh, I, I kind of like was juggling Gavin and Devin at the same time, the two youngest and, uh, both of them just did great. Like Gavin, I didn't even have to really look at He just kind of like got it and was just doing it. Cause he knows how to skate so well that he was just kind of getting it. And he just went, no, nah, uncle Lee, don't worry about it. Just go. And so I'm, I'm going with Devin, the, the four-year-old and, He's just crushing, just going like 200, 300 feet at a time. And then he would maybe fall on his butt or his knees and I'd stand him back up and point him down the mountain and he would do it again. And it was so great. And we get to the bottom of the mountain and Gavin goes, oh, my God. I'm like, did you like it? He goes, it's incredible. And I like damn near choked up just because like I'm a wuss. And, uh, and I was so happy that they were happy and that like I was like, oh, what a relief. Like they enjoyed it and uh, they didn't think that it was shitty that they had to wait. I mean, they thought it was shitty that they had to wait in line, but it didn't like ruin the experience for them. And, you know, we're all going up to Mammoth on the 29th and I'm excited about that. And so yesterday was just a fucking dope day because I got to be with people that are that are like my family and then and share with them something that is very near and dear to my heart and so it was dope and i this season is going to be tight man there's so much snow i'm going to go snowboarding a bunch so if you uh if you listen and you snowboard tweet at me let me know when you're going and maybe i'll see you up there that being said we talked to raf from prayers today and um man he has lived quite a life like i was saying and if you've read anything about them you will know that he's led a life he's from san diego and has been involved in gang banging since a young age and and he talks about that and uh has been in jail and that's kind of where he had this epiphany moment that is obviously very important to him and you'll see what i'm talking about he had an epiphany moment while he was in prison and uh got out and and became a musician and it's like a it's like a third quarter i I don't know how to explain it but it's like he's been doing other stuff his whole life but kind of music has always been there lingering and now he's participating in it and things are working out amazingly for them and uh 
he and his producer Dave, they just got together two years ago and already now they're booked for Coachella. They just sold out the El Rey last night and things are just going great, man. And I think we're catching him at a really cool time in his career. And uh, I just think things are going to keep exploding from here and I'm excited to watch their, their trajectory. So you can learn a lot about this dude through this and then you can go search for his music videos. Just search for prayers on YouTube and they all pop up and it's really interesting shit. And uh, I think you guys will dig it. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Raphael from Prayers. So you had a show last night at the El Rey. Yeah, we fucking killed it. How did it feel? You know, for lack of better words... It was like an out-of-body experience, man, just to see everyone there and, and all the support and all the love. And people were just active, man. They were yeah. activated, man. They were like fucking unplugging um, our equipment because they were using the cables to fucking pull themselves up on stage and shit. But it was savage, man. And yeah. Travis came out and fucking surprised everyone. He did two songs with us. And then the homie Skinhead. Travis Barker. Yeah. Travis Barker. Yeah. And then the homie Skinhead Rob from Transplants. Oh, he, right. he fucking rolled through, did a track with us. And we brought one of our homies from the neighborhood, uh, Killer, who when we first started, he used to come on stage with us and stand there with a with a ski mask and two machetes. What? But he was locked up for a bit. You know, he's in and out. He's He's still with the business. Yeah. So he fucking uh, just got out recently and he fucking rolled through the pad as I'm fucking driving to L.A. And I was like, yo, get in the car. We're going to fucking, uh, you know, bring it back yeah. to the old school. Wow. And he rolled with us, man. And so it was cool. We brought him on board. All the homies from my neighborhood rolled through, too. They drove down to L.A. And, yeah. you know, they rocked with us. And um, I had, um, you know... Um, so a, a woman who's re- really dear to me. She's, uh, she's in the LTO and... Um, She's a high priestess, and she came and did a banishing for the stage for us, oh, wow. like, which, you know, to set the tone right, for the night. Right. And that was wonderful. So we had a lot of surprises for the audience last night. Like, sociologically, what does a prayers audience look like? Yo, man, it's like a... It's like a fucking rainbow, homie. It's everyone, all colors, all styles. I mean... Lately, it's been a lot more Mexicans. That's dope. Yeah, which is really cool, man. They're coming out the woodworks, homie. Like all the Cholo goths, you know, the movement's real and they're fucking with it and they're really embracing it. And I mean, we had people driving down from Las Vegas, like biker gangs from Las Vegas with their jackets and shit. And like Uh. people fucking from all over, right? San Francisco. Like it's crazy, man. When we play LA, people come out. Was this your biggest show to date? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. That's dope. You could say you could say so. Yeah, and it feels like it's kind of uh, gonna keep rising astro- astronomically. It seems like you guys just got the bill on Coachella. Yeah, we. You know, we've been blessed, man. We're like selling out every fucking show that, that we is, play. That's, it doesn't that's matter. Great. What it is, where it's at. Like, we go to these, like, towns when, where there's just tumbleweeds, homie, and fucking people come out of the cactus like and shit. Like, you know, when we were, like, in fucking, what, what was it, like, Texas? There was Lubbock? Like a, were you in Lubbock? No, we uh, were fucking in. Some weird town in just, Texas. we were, like, in these towns, man. Yeah, we're, yeah. like, I, I don't even know the names, but we yeah. were, like, when we were on tour, man, we were in these little-ass towns. We are like, yo, what are we doing here, homie? And the next thing you know, man, the youth comes out. Right. Yeah. Uh, after a show like that, do you ever get like the, like you said, it's like bigger than life. It feels like surreal. The next day, do you ever get a little bit of like, oh man, back to real life now? Yeah. Like I mean, the, we the ride the way. I ride the way for a minute. Well, it's yeah. different because 
I'm gonna be honest with you, man. Yeah. Like as soon as we started playing, we we just started building a quick audience, right? We started the day we started playing, people started fucking with us heavily, yeah. and I did experience that where we'd have these crazy crowds that, and then at the end of the night, we're like going home alone, right? Yeah, so we're yourself. like being adored by all these people, and all these people are like, "Oh, we fuck with you heavily," and then the show's over, and we're just fucking breaking down our equipment, and we're going back to our hotel room by ourselves, and we're just like, "Yo, where are all the honeys at?" Right? right? Like right. that are throwing their fucking underwear at right. us. Where's, where's, the, where's, the, where's the MTV music video? At? Right? You know where I mean? is that? Yeah. So it is a lonely, a lonely life in that sense, yeah. but at the same time. We have become really recognizable, so now it feels the feels less lonely because wherever we go, we're recognized. Right. I mean, we go to the gas station, we go to the grocery stores, yeah. like it, like people recognize us and come up and say, "Hey, man, we fucking fuck with you, and we love your music." And so it, it, it continues to kind of grow from right. there. Well, it's so interesting because I feel like everybody uh, gets accused of being an overnight success when they first start to blow. And, I, yeah. and you're like, nah, man, we really are an overnight success. Like, you guys we're, just met each other, started making music, and it instantly clicked, huh? We've been, yeah, we've known each other for two years, and yeah. that's how long the band's been around. Two you years. and your producer. My producer, Dave Parlay, is in the house. Shout outs. Shout out to my <laughs> bud, my baby. <laughs> how did you guys meet? Come and say hi, David. Come over here. Say, say what's up. Yeah, sit, pull up a chair, man. You can yeah. chime in sometimes. Hey, hey what's up? Come and that's right, baby. <laughs> Mexico. And this it got so real. Yeah. Uh, um, how'd you guys meet? You know, um, I was in this band called Vampire. Yeah. And we were playing our last show. We were breaking up. And David came to see us. Uh -huh. And um, that was the first time we met. He saw me up on stage and he knew the band was breaking up. He walked up to me after the show and he was like, yo, man, I fucking... Like, I'm in awe with you. Like, I love what you fucking represent and what you're doing. I would love to make music with you. And I just loved his approach and his energy. And we just, it was instantly. Like, I was like, yo, this is the homie. Was it in San Diego? In San Diego. Okay. So he came over to the crib the next the next day. And he brought over his NPC. He started making beats right there in front of me. And I was like, damn, these are hard as fuck. So it inspired me instantly. And I just started writing, like, right away as soon as the first beat he made right. and that beat wasn't like a beat that he brought right. he just started building it. it right there in front of me and i was like damn and like i wrote a song really just as quick as he made the beat i yeah. fucking wrote the song just as quick and that was fucking from dog to god and oh then, shit yeah and then and then next thing you know fucking ready to bleed and and yeah. we wrote four songs in one day oh wow and then I, we were so inspired and the energy was so high <clears throat> we were like yo Roll through tomorrow. Right. I'm sorry, my voice because of the show last yeah. night. My voice is froggy. It's all good. So he rolled through the next day. I've actually bought a lot of Oh, thank you, brother. Yeah. He we rolled. He rolled through the next day, and we fucking the magic was still there, and we right. rocked another four songs. Wow! And that's our first fucking um, EP, SD Kill Wave. Him and I, we created it in two days of knowing each other. And and you so he comes from a like a hardcore and punk background. What was Vampire about? Uh, it was just straightforward gothic. Gothic just, music, yeah. And now I feel like in the articles uh, and the way that the media presents presents it, like uh, this uh, the whole cholo goth thing sounds right. like they they treat it as kind of a novelty almost, right. or like they've never heard of that before. But I feel like gothic music or like uh, just dark music in general, dark electronic music is really popular in the Hispanic communities in California, right? Thank you, thank you. Yes, I've said it millions of 
of times, man. Yeah. yeah. I, I, well, and I think, like, if you live in other parts of the country, you might not realize it. But, like, yeah. obviously, it's, like, an ongoing... Everybody that lives in L.A. knows that, like, Mexicans love Morrissey and shit like yeah. that. You feel me? It's so true. Where does that come from? Like, what's the history of that? Do you know? <sighs> man, you know, why does electronic or, like, dark wave yeah. or, you know, 80s synth music... Why, yeah, why does, does it resonate? resonate that, yeah, exactly. Why does it resonate with our culture so much? I yeah. mean, it's, it's hard. Maybe because the... You know, we're romantics and a lot of that music has that dark, like, romance attached to it. Yeah. And um, for me, it's always just spoken to me. There was something the minute that I that I first, first heard, like, Pet Shop Boys, like, West End Girls, I was yeah. like, fuck, like, this speaks to me. Even though yeah. I'm not from fucking, you know, London. London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it spoke to me. Yeah. And I've, I've just always had connection with that sound and the next thing you know like the home you know people like to pretend like they they don't or didn't but they fucking do yeah well it's so funny because like you a lot of people and i would say accurately so they associate maybe uh latin culture in california with like art lebo show type music low right. rider oldies and shit like that i mean we fuck with that yeah too. obviously that's, yeah. A, that's a huge community yeah. too but there's like this huge like punk and ska and uh dark electronic wave throughout the the latin community in southern california and i've always been curious about its roots yeah yeah agreed i don't I mean i don't yeah. necessarily know the roots of it but right. i definitely know that like you just I associate, am, you just yeah. related to I I'm a product of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's dope. And so how long was Vampire together? Vampire was uh, about a year. Yeah. That's it? About but a year. Did you, were you doing music before that or no? I've only been doing music for three years. Damn, dog. A total of three years. And, I, and when I was doing Vampire, I started, I started with my first band called Baptism of Thieves. And it was just an experimental band that, that lasted just a, a summer. Mm -hmm. And it broke up because uh, my drummer, his... We got popular really fast. Mm -hmm. We got popular really fast. And then, like, the drummer was married and his wife at the time mm -hmm. gave him an ultimatum saying, yo, the band or me. So he chose his wife and the band broke up. And at that time, I, I started Vampire. And then during Vampire, Vampire was really rocky. We were always fighting and we were taking off too. It got really popular. Right. We had labels looking at us and it started getting really popular and, and it started stressing one of the bandmates out. And so at that time, I already saw that it was might not work. Yeah. So I started my own thing called Night Ritual. And I started doing just me doing everything, producing, writing, doing everything by myself. So during Vampire, I was doing both. I was doing Night Ritual and Vampire. And then when Vampire broke up, that's when I met Dave. Yeah. But I still like had already actually done a whole album by myself with Night Ritual. Oh, no but sure. I never put it out. Yeah. So... Now we talked about it earlier. Like you, you're you're old. You're older. I I'm, guess as I'm a starting old, musician. I'm, I'm a vampire, though. I wouldn't say like you're old. That type of old. Yeah, you've aged well. Yeah. You've aged gracefully. But my point is, is like, where did this bug for music come from? I'm, like in the in the second second half of the. Uh, of, well, I've always had it, man. I've always wanted to do music, yeah. but it was just not available or attainable when you At know I'm 40 years old. So yeah. back in the you know 90s, 80s, in my neighborhood, it was just fucking you know gang violence and uh, you know i was part of all that too you know yeah. i'm a gang member i'm from sherman grand hills park uh -huh. in san diego california uh 27th street and um it just didn't seem like just, a reasonable I, goal at the well, time well i i wanted it, it yeah. but it wasn't a t it wasn't a, at reach yeah right my my neighborhood there was no such thing as yeah. like music 
programs or something. There was nothing there. So uh, I went to school. I went to a white school in Pacific Beach, which is a surf town in San Diego. And they had that there. And I was exposed to it through friends because I had a lot of friends that were punk, death rockers, skaters. And I always would stay after school and hang out with them and go to their houses and just I love the vibe. And that's really where I got into music was by hanging out with all my white friends and fucking, you know, in Pacific Beach. And we'd go out to the beach and drop acid. And then I'd take the bus back to my neighborhood and be chilling with with the homies from the set and be gangbanging and doing that. So I was always living these two worlds, you know, and I just always wanted it. But at at that time, um, I didn't know myself that well. And I wasn't, you know, I was still growing up and trying to like find an identity because, you know, I'm over here on on my left side, hanging out with all my white homies and loving that. But then I go... Uh, on this side and I'm you know I'm a Chicano and I'm and I'm from a gang and I'm gangbanging and I'm just like yo like what the fuck am, am I moonlighting or like right. what am I doing right, right right and it wasn't until fucking I got older and I was like yo I don't give a fuck what people think I'm gonna do what I want to do and I finally I, I went to jail I got locked up and I had an epiphany in there and when I came out I was like yo I'm gonna fucking live my life and I'm gonna do what I fucking want I'm tired of fucking doing what I think I need to be doing to appease others you know just because I'm from this or that and I was always riding this crazy wave and I was just like you know what it's time to just be me and I just fucking got out of jail homie and the minute yeah. I got out of jail I fucking taught myself how to play the piano I fucking went on YouTube started learning how to fucking make beats and That's and, and now we're here yeah all right so let's now we are here so let's get to how we got there yeah so your neighborhood's still very important to you it's very important to me yeah. I'm still I mean I I'm active not in the sense I'm an active gang member not in the sense where I'm out there like fucking you know committing crimes and that's the another thing that I want to you know maybe touch on yeah. if we get the chance where you know I'm a gang member yeah first and foremost right. But I'm not a criminal. I'm not a drug dealer. I'm not a drug user. You know what I'm saying? Right. So there's there's a fucking difference. There's a huge difference. And yes, there are gang members that are criminals. Yes, there are gang members that are drug dealers and whatever the fuck, thieves. But I'm not that. Right. I'm not none of that. And I've never been that. And I, but yes, I've fought for my neighborhood and for my friends and, and for the things that I love and believe in. And in that, in that sense, I am a gangster and I am a gang member and I am from a gang, mm-hmm. but I'm not a criminal. Mm-hmm. So there's two different things. But um, I'm sorry, I'm off track. No, it's you were okay. saying. Um, so you, you grew up in San Diego. Yes. In Sherman. Uh, what was Sherman Park? Uh, yeah. Sherman oh, Grand Hills. Park. Sherman Grand Hills. Okay. Yeah. So how does your how long how many generations uh, have been here? Did your folks come over? Did your grandparents come over? My folks came over. I'm first generation. First generation. And how did they make their living when you were a kid? Well, my father, he um, worked in restaurants, washing dishes. Oh, wow. Yeah, washing dishes and then worked his way up to cooking and and, and then managing What kind of restaurants, restaurants was he cooking in? He, um, different, you know, American food and then Mexican and then Italian and then he did... Uh, like line cooking. Yeah. yeah, and Spanish food. I mean, I worked in a restaurant um, cooking, uh, you know, Spanish food for a long time, doing paellas and tapas and whatnot. Right. It's yeah. so funny because, like, living in Southern California, you know, you come to find out, like, oh, the best Italian cooks are Mexican dudes. The Dude. best breakfast cooks are, Ita- <laughs> are, are Mexican, Mexican dudes. You know what sushi. I mean? Yeah, the best Indian up. cooks are Mexican dudes yeah. like real talk like, you guys in the kitchen. run the kitchen down yeah. here I, I mean i think that's a fucking honorable thing and yeah, i think that's I mean, a dope we, skill uh, we do what we can you know to yeah. survive as people we love our families and we, we you know we and that's the other thing too it's like we we really are out here like working nice right. i mean we don't 
we don't nothing nothing is given to us you know right. or or to anyone at that i don't want to just make it like a generalize and be like oh but it, nothing i mean maybe to some the lucky ones but i definitely know that like in, in my culture man we work hard we grind right right i mean dude and it's so crazy right now this is a side note but like the racial divides that are happening right now because of politicians yeah. these days of talking about i'm gonna build a wall i'm gonna do yeah, this fuck like fucking <laughs> such bullshit yeah. it's crazy and i and i think that like their insecurities and yeah. fears you know mm-hmm. and it sucks because people don't know they've never been on the on the other side they've been fed with a silver spoon you know they've right. never had to work for something and and and, and i i think we got to put ourselves in other people's shoes to kind of and i i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna wear a person i observe homie i respect people i treat people with respect and and i love white people and i love my black people and i love my mexicans and i love my indians i love people you know what i'm saying but i'm chicano and i'm mexican and i identify with that and when we get attacked and bashed like i'm gonna push back but it's not out of racism it's just out of fucking like defending myself right. and defending what i love and what i know and i know my mexican people and i know what we're made of so like you know I, i'm not gonna be like yo this is you know like it's not gonna be to me it's never about race but it is gonna be about like yo if i have to fucking speak up because i'm in a platform where i can because we have an audience and because people fuck with us heavily then i'm gonna you know defend my right. fucking culture right and i think everyone should i think you know the europeans should fucking defend their fucking culture if someone's bashing them and vice right. versa so when this fucking dude that you know fucking didn't really even fucking work to make his fucking right. money shit was just fucking handed to him yeah. and he comes over here and tries to blame fucking yo fuck blame like it, just blaming anyone on anything like is whack yeah. as fuck exactly. anyways like don't blame because humans are humans yeah man. homie like, like don't blame just like find a solution without fucking trying to blame any right. anyone on anything anything right, right. it's it's i don't know homie like do you come from a big family i do man how, how, how many brothers and sisters oh six yeah three brothers wow. um three brothers four with myself and then two sisters yeah wow i'm and the oldest what did mom do she uh, take care of the kids or did my, she work too yes my yeah. mom stayed home and, and took care of the kids right and it wasn't until you know until we all got older that she started working and it yeah. was more because she didn't have anything to do anymore at the house. Did you say you're the oldest? I'm the oldest and the most handsome. <laughs> and the most handsome. Hey, I, I'm the oldest and most handsome as well. <laughs> we have right. that in common. That's funny. Uh, did you feel uh, a certain responsibility over your younger siblings as you're oh, getting yeah, older? Oh, yeah, man. Well, yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons I even got into gangs, to be honest with you. I got into gangs because I wanted to make life easy on my family, on my brothers. How old were you when that started? I was 13 years old. 13. I was 13 years old, and my, my, my dad... My, my, I'm going to share this story, actually. So a lot of people kind of sometimes like... But it was a good thing. I'm going I'm to start it off by saying it was a good thing, and I'm going to end it up by saying it's been a good thing because... It's even helping me out a lot in prayers, you know, just having had made that decision, even though like there was a lot of fucked up shit that happened to me, like getting stabbed, getting shot and all this shit and get going to jail. But, you know, fuck, that's that's that's, you know, that's part of the fucking byproduct lifestyle. Thank you of being being with the business. I, you know, I wasn't a ranker. I wasn't a bitch. I was with the business. As soon as I got in, they taught me the ways and I fucking embraced it. So I I was already a fucking warrior to begin with. But. I did it for this one reason here, and this is how it, and this is how the story goes about Leah Farsayer, aka Rafael Reyes, aka Termite from Sherman, aka the Dragon, the Serpent, Lucifer Rising. So this is what happened. I'm a 13 year old boy. I'm having di- um, having dinner yeah. with my family. We're just 
my father, the, the liquor store was like just a block away from my house. And then the 90s, like people still sent their kids to the store to go buy cigarettes or whatever, right? And the, everyone knew each other in the community. They knew that my, you know, my sister, whose parents, right? They knew the right. parents right, of, right. of all, of yeah. all the, of they all knew the your kids. Lineage and all that. Yeah, yeah. They knew, that's how it was in the right. neighborhood. So my, my father sends my sister to go get some tortillas. Um, she goes, he gives her the money, she goes. There are some kids from the neighborhood there. And they, you know, they're fishing for beer or whatever. And they see my my sister and they fucking, you know, she's a little girl. So they take the money away from her, right? Mm -hmm. They take the money away from her. She comes home crying. And my old man's like, yo, what happened? And she's like, I don't know, some kids, they, they took away the money from me. So my, my, my dad grabs the whole family and we all walk over to the liquor store and the kids are still there fishing for beer. Right. And they're, you know, they're like in their 18s or 21 or whatever. My dad at this point, he's probably like, you know, 30 something. Yeah. And he walks up and he was like, yo, who fucking took the money from my daughter? And mm -hmm. my, my sister points out the dude and my, my dad just fucking puts hands on him, right? Just beats the shit out of this. Yeah. This is my first time ever seeing my dad like rage like rage that. Like, yeah. that hit yeah. it. like he just beat the life out of this dude right and i was like fuck i wasn't sure we went home I, I couldn't even eat no more i was like yo what the fuck just happened right and my dad's like yo you fucking stay away from my family this and that right so the next day i'm in fucking school and um everyone's talking about it is your dad a big dude my dad was a big i'm a small dude but yeah my my brothers are i took off I took after my mother, so I'm really small right. and petite like my mother. But my father was a big dude, and all my 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 youngest, my two baby brothers are huge, really? like my dad. Yeah. But myself, my sister, and my brother Pokey are we look more like yeah, my yeah. mom's right. archetype. Right. So, so the next day in school, next day in school, um, everyone's talking about it about what my dad did, right? And all these rumors are being spread. All this fucking shit's happening about you know. They're, they're, they're plotting to stab my dad, to oh, kill shit. my dad for what he did. Because the dude that he put hands on is from the, the gang that I'm from now, uh. right? So I'm, like, scared. I love my father. I don't want nothing to happen to him. So I talked to one of my buddies who's who knows the dude that my dad beat up and who is, you know, his older brother's also from the, from the gang that I'm from now. And he tells him, like, yo, like, my homie from school, his dad is the dude that fucking beat up the dude, the homie, and my homie's scared. He doesn't want anything to happen to his dad. Like, he wants to know how he can make up for it or, or if right. there's anything that he can do to fucking, maybe he can get his ass beat or, you know, to take it off of his dad or whatever. He was just trying to protect the, the family. You know, the homie was wrong by doing that anyway. So he got what he had coming to him, but like, you know, what's up? How can we make this right? Or like, right. And um, they told him like, yo, if that fool wants nothing to happen, he needs to fucking come talk to us and he needs to fucking get down for the set. Oh, shit. So I fucking then right after school, homie, after the homie told me that shit. He came back to school and he was like, yo, I talked to the homies. This is what they said. I was like, fuck it. Sign me up. I fucking got off school, went straight to the park where they hang out. And I was like, yo, I'm such and such. And I got my ass beat, homie. I got jumped by all these fools. And then I became termite from Sherman. And I'm from fucking, I'm from the big Grand Hills Park gang now. And, and that's been, and then after that, homie, 
my life in my neighborhood for my family was fucking amazing, dog. Like, really? no one fucking looked at us sideways. No one talked. Like, it was all respect. My sister could fucking do whatever. My brothers didn't have to join a gang. My sister my sister did because she wanted to. My little sister, Sandra, she that sad girl from Sherman. But... um. You know, she that was like she wanted it, so that was her. But no one else had to. Everyone was fucking doing good. My parents were set because now the neighborhood were like all the homies from the set were like, "Yo, that's the homies' parents." Right. So it was great, and we still have a house there. We're like one of the last families from Sherman that still own property in Sherman. Well, so even uh, before you were thirteen and end up getting jumped in, yeah, were gangsters in your neighborhood uh, revered? Were they looked up to? Were yeah. they feared? What was it? Both. They yeah. were feared and respected. Yeah, just like in my song, you know, from Dog to God. Right. And con- that's where that lyric comes from. So, were from. you already interested in that lifestyle before this? Um, I admired. I mean, I loved the fucking tattoos. I loved it when yeah. the big homies came out of prison. They were chilling around with their and all tatted up, and I was always like in awe with it. Because I think I've always been in awe with like just like countercultures, just like re- with rebelliousness. Totally. And I always was just like, damn, that's just fucking cool. Totally. And I always, I or even if I wasn't gonna be a gang member, like back then, I was like, yo, I'm gonna fucking look like that when I'm older. Like right. I won't be all tatted up. This was in the nineties. Right. Because that wasn't a thing back then. Was, no, like, man. Like, I remember when I was I was already tatted up by the time I was like, I got my first tattoo when I was like 14 or 13. Yeah, four, right. like right when after I got jumped in, I had to put in some work. Yeah. Now, I, because you got to earn your gang tattoos too. It's not like you just get jumped in and you're like, oh, you're, I'm from yeah, now I can go covered. get. No, you can't. You still got to earn your fucking placaso. You got to learn earn that name. Like. It's not just given to you like okay, well, the first step is getting jumped in. Okay, now you're from this. You're from it. Yeah. But it doesn't give you the right to fucking tattoo it on your body yet. It's fucking pride for me to be able to take off my shirt and show my fucking stomach tattoo or my Sherman on my back. Like that. I earned that. Like I put in work for that. It wasn't like, oh, now I can go do the Fuck no. Right. I don't know how they do it now because I know times are changing, you know, right. but that's a say, whole other issue. In the 90s, it was like, it, that was some real counterculture shit to be covered in tattoos. And now yeah. it's like you graduate high school and you just go to the to the tattoo artist yeah. and be like, oh yeah, give me the Wiz Khalifa, you know what I mean? And you just get covered. Yeah. The most tattooed rapper back in the day real was shit. like Tupac, you know what yeah. I mean? It was like, and, that, and now you look at him and it's like, oh, and, your and average ba- office worker has that many tattoos. Yeah. And you know? back in the days, I was more covered than Tupac. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like during the 90s, I was already like full sleeve back piece fucking sh- gang tattoos like our, i was already like yeah you know well so before you join the set and you're you're a young kid like what's the neighborhood like that you were growing up in san diego is kind of segregated isn't it it is very yeah. segregated i yeah. mean I, li- I lived in a mexican yeah neighborhood did you have like were, were you always just always around mexican folks or did you have white folks that you knew or like did you yeah go, well because i went to you school, got bust out yeah because i got bust out how how long was the bus ride to school uh, you know, I, I, not too long. Not, I think it was bad. probably like, uh, you know, 45 at the most, yeah, yeah. 45 minutes. And so did you Just feel... Just because of all the stops that it has to make. Right. Was it kind of, was it strange to be going at, to that school? Like, were you a fish out of water? At first it was. Yeah. Because you're like bilingual as a yeah. kid and everybody's probably just very white and kind of very crappy white. there or something. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a trip, man. I yeah. mean, it was definitely... Um, were you a troublemaker? Yeah, I was. I mean, no, I was really popular, actually. Yeah. I've always been popular in school. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. You you seem like a talker. You seem easy to get along with. You seem like you've kind of got your chameleon skills down where you can, like, be in whatever environment and feel comfortable. Agreed. Yeah. I, I Yes, that is very true. I was very popular in school, man. Yeah. Very popular. I was a popular kid. I I was with the most popular girl. Mm. Um, Yeah. 
I just thought, well, even when I was a, when I was gangbanging full time, I was like the most fucking popular gang member, and now I'm the most popular gang member again. <laughs> the times, the again. times never change. Yeah, man. I'm Some still like change. the most popular motherfucker. Now I'm the most popular motherfucker in my city. Uh, uh. And I'm gonna be the most hey, popular motherfucker in in L.A. soon, homie. I walk L.A. All the homies show me love. Right. Right. All the homies show me love. No, I don't give a fuck. Like where I go, people show me love. People. Yeah. So, it, it, it's always been in my stars. Yeah. To be, it's just. I think like I'm always good at whatever I do. I don't want to be like hyping myself up like that. But looking back at it, like I always thrive. Yeah. I thrive in whatever the fuck it is that I want to do. I mean, everybody knows somebody like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that, that, that's just the thing. And then I met my fucking partner, Dave Parlay. Now I can't be stopped. Right. Before it was like, you know, like I couldn't be stopped. Now it's like not even God can stop me. Right. It's insane because I got my boy right here. Dave Parlay is like fucking my shield and my sword. I feel it. And I'm just fucking wielding that All shit. All right. I'm, I'm about to reel you back in now. Oh, hold right, on. Right, hold on. Hold in. on. <laughs> All right. That was a good Don King speech. You just, okay. I, I'm like, I believe it. You're the heavyweight champ right now. But, okay, so you're 13. You get jumped into the set. Yeah. And life starts to change for you and your family. You say people stop looking at you cross. Uh, how does your life change? What are the things that you have to start doing now? Well, it changed a lot, you know. Yeah. At this point, I mean, my, to be honest with you, music was my escape at this point because uh -huh. shit was hectic, man. My house was getting shot at. Uh -huh. I remember every 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 night my parents used to, like, push the furniture to the front of the house Ugh. just to, like, block bullets and shit. And I used to fucking have to walk out of the house. I would sneak out the back. I had to, like, jump out the window in the back just to go to school because rival gangs knew where I lived and they would fucking, like, they were stalking me wow. because I was a popular gang member. And so this is, like, the early 90s? Early 90s, yeah, yeah 94, and that, that's 93. that's when were, like, kind of most active I in mean, Southern that California. Song yeah. Got, yeah, the yeah. song Gothic Summer is about yeah. that. And, right. you know, my, my cousin Wicked put in work and, you know, he's doing in life in, in Pelican Bay right now. Shout out to my my cousin Wicked. Uh -huh. um, I mean, I mean, it was savage. It was real. I mean, uh, so you uh, there's a lot of young kids. Of house, you say? Yeah, man. I mean, we grew up in a tiny little studio, so I was, you know. Ah, that's another story, but yeah, we grew up really poor. Well, homie, tell that story. Like, yeah. how many people, the whole family's crammed into yeah, a studio? Yeah, you see this room? What, what's, what is this room like? Uh, a probably fucking, like nine by nine Yeah, or we grew up in a room like nine by nine. How fucking, did you guys no, sleep? Throw it on the floor. Yeah. On the floor. Yeah. So just there was like, I'm saying my parents would move the furniture, but this was like when we moved to, a, at this point yeah. I was, these are two different stories. One is when we first, we were in this tiny little studio and then later on we moved to the spot and then that's when all that crazy shit was happening. And at this time I was actually hustling and I was making good money. So I was able, I was able to move my family out of the fucking studio Oh because wow. we were living in this tiny ass fucking studio and I was young and I was always like good with women. And I was always embarrassed to bring a, a girl over to my crib because like Where I lived, supposed to go? I'm like, well, I was embarrassed of yeah. it. So then I started grinding really hard and the homies started helping me out a lot giving me little jobs here and there. And I was at that time I was hella young and I was making like a hundred dollars a day, which is a lot in the night. At like 13, 14, 13, 15. And then I fucking. What kind of jobs are they having you do without like dry snitching? Well, but it's like, you know, it's so old. Yeah. No, yeah, it's so old. This is the 90s. Yeah, but it was whatever. fucking, you know, because I had this look, even when I was really young, that I had like this innocent look. Uh -huh. And I, I didn't really. Like. That could probably get you places yeah, that other I didn't, people could. I didn't have like the fucking, like, yo, this fool looks scary as fuck. Right. Like I had like a really innocent, like, 
like I look at pictures from back then, I was like, damn, I really was like, like I really did look like a innocent kid. Right. I had this face. So they knew that. So I was basically just like the kid, that, like the transporter. I would just, right. you know, they would hand right. me something and I would get on my bike and take it to across town to the other fucking right. person and drop it off. And then they'd give me whatever the fuck they gave me. Because you don't look super suspicious yeah, to a cop driving Yeah, I didn't never, never even looked at anything. Right. Yeah, and I'd put it in my backpack and I'd just cruise my bike back to, uh, I was just basically a transporter, man. Yeah. I was just like driving things in between, you know, like yeah. whatever. I don't know, drugs, I guess, money. Right, I right. don't know what the fuck. Whatever I never, it may have I just yeah and i just go and i do my thing i do my runs and at the end of the night i yeah. get my hundred bucks and i'll go home did you stay in school during this time yeah 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 how, how was it it was it was cool because then i had nice threads man i wasn't embarrassed anymore of fucking having thrift store clothes and shit now i could go buy myself nice shit now i was stunting on fools you yeah. know yeah, how were you dressing back in the nineties? Because I feel like everybody Man, I had like my acid watch jeans. Oh, I, was I was gonna say I feel like everybody pictures like uh, when you hear cholos or you hear about Mexican gangbangers, you think like Dickies and a white yeah, tee and a mustache. Is that is? I mean, I had that too. I yeah. had a couple looks. I mean, right. I remember when I first first started. I, I didn't even have clothes, so a lot of the homies were giving me clothes because they didn't want me dressing how I used. Because I dressed like a, a, a death rocker. I had like denim jackets. I had tight jeans and, and I was oh, all even as a kid? Yeah, because yeah. my parents, my mom knows how to sew, so my mom uh, would sew my clothes. And oh, make shit. them fit it, so I was like punked out. You yeah, know, you had the custom fits. Yeah, I had the custom fits. I was, and but the homies didn't like me dressing like that, so they would give me their their. And I was like, yo, I don't have money to go buy clothes to look dressed right. like a fucking cholo. Right, right. So the homies would start giving me clothes because they didn't want me dressing like that and that i didn't like that i remember too it was so crazy like the first day that i went to school dressed like a cholo and all my white homies were like yo what happened right and then it was this over summer right it yeah. was like over summer i came and i was like a whole new wardrobe and they're like what and i was like yeah it's like things are different now <laughs> It's like, yeah. different now. That's... And they were like, "Fuck it," but they still fucked with me. I still yeah. fucked with them too. Well, that's what I was gonna ask. Like, did it have to? Did it have to change the dynamic no, with your older friends? Yeah. It's different, you know. I don't think, like, at least the homies that I hung out with, all my white homies and, and PB. Like, they didn't judge me, dog. They're just like, they knew me and they fucked with me and they were like, yo, that's the homie. Yeah. We go to their pad and, you know, we'd smoke weed or whatever and just drop LSD. I did a lot of LSD when I was a kid and that was it. And then I would fucking, actually, that's another way how I kind of came up in the game too because, like, my neighborhood, they didn't have that type of shit. So I would bring, you know, like, the white folks' drugs. I, I would bring the white folk, folks' drugs down yeah. to the neighborhood, like the shrooms and the acid. And the oh, homies no be shit. like, what the fuck is yeah. this? And then, uh, you know, fucking right. whatever back and forth so that was another little thing that i was so you did know you, angle did, you that start, I was working out. did you start experimenting with drugs pretty young then yeah really young like weed and stuff first or what weed first and then how I, old were you probably i was probably like the same thing like around 13, 13. yeah so that was a big probably pivotal around, year yeah yeah it was that yeah 13 was fucking a lot of a lot of changes man for me uh, you know, during that time, if I can. you know, uh, speaking of thirteen, and I've I've said this on this podcast a million times, but I have this theory about thirteen that that's also like when your music taste really solidifies. Yeah, like what were you listening to around that time? How fuck, but you know, back then I was, man, I was listening to fucking like Guns and Roses, oh, yeah. and you know. A Christian death. I was fuck. I was listening also to like the Pet Shop Boys and Duran yeah. Duran, and I was listening to a, a lot. And, and then around that time, you know, the homies, the homies were playing with their. You know, that's like when Cypress Hill came out, and the yeah. homie, and that that was that, that whole crossover, right? And Cypress Hill was dope, and that's kind of how I got a, 
If it wasn't for Cypress Hill, I probably wouldn't even have got into like rap yeah, right, or any of that, right. to be honest with y'all, because I wasn't really fucking with it. I was just so set in my ways. I, I was a gang member, but I still like like in, in my seat, in my cassette player. Was I was rocking out. Yeah, I was rocking out. Yeah. You know, I was listening yeah. to fucking the Sex Pistols and shit like that. Yeah. And I really, that's really when I started gang banging hard, when I was going out and doing like savage ass shit, that's what I was listening to. Putting I, the Sex Pistols? Yeah, I was just putting like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would, and, and I'd go and, and do my dirt while all the other homies were listening to whatever, right. whatever they were listening to, fucking NWA or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But I was listening to other shit that got me fucking you know, to God Save the Queen and shit. Exactly. That's let's, amazing. Yeah, to go, let's go do this, yeah. you know? <laughs> Put in funny. work. And that shit got me going. Right, right. And then... And then Cypress Hill, you know, Cypress Hill came over and that kind of got me a little bit more into rap and stuff, but I didn't really got too heavily into it, to be honest with you. Right. What a, um, well, yeah. So like the smoking the weed when you're 13, do do you start drinking booze? Do you start, were you ever a partier at all? No, I wasn't. I wasn't. And I'll be honest with you. I think, I think it's because of the LSD. Oh, well, tell me about that. I think I became like a, uh, uh, like a psychonaut, you know? Mm. And I just like got really heavily into psychedelics. Yeah. And I was doing mushrooms a lot and i was doing lsd a lot and i was hanging out at the beach and like in my fucking baggy ass fucking jeans with all my surfer homies all my punk homies and i'd just be right there watching the sunsets and fucking listening to fucking you know pink floyd and i was i don't know man that's what i was into but then i'd go to the you know back to the neighborhood and gotta earn my keep over there too but music and 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 you know pacific beach was an escape for me because i did what i had to do man but i still I still was a sensitive guy. I still like just wanted to like live peacefully. I didn't like that that fucking energy it was too much. Sometimes, you know, I really I needed a place to escape. So sometimes I would just fucking drop some acid and and fucking have my little orange juice right there and right. fucking you know drink some orange juice and and just watch the waves fucking on acid until. You know, just because I did a lot of fucked up things, man. And yeah. sometimes I needed to put things in perspective. And I think like we were talking earlier, yeah. uh, before we started doing the show yeah. how like i'm i'm very self-aware right and i and i think that self-awareness also comes from me doing so much lsd because i would sit there and just contemplate on my life yeah, you and look inside a lot yeah when you're i mean that, I'm, you know? I blasted a fool dog on lsd once really that's so i don't be, even know if i imagined it or not that's gotta be the worst i was trip. so fucking high on lsd and these right. fools rolled up on me Fools rolled up on me in the middle of nowhere. I was just coming home from Pacific Beach on the bus, and I was still fucking peaking really fucking high on acid. Uh, and these fools rolled up on me in a car deep as fuck, and they jumped out, and they fucking, you know, pulled out their shit, and I had my shit too, and we just fucking got at, at it. And I'm lucky I had my shit on me. And we went back and forth, bah, 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 bah. and next thing you know, like, I'm my fucking body my my spirit piped up popped out of my body dog like as this shit is happening and i'm out outside of my body observing me getting in a fucking shootout Shootout. oh my gosh and i'm not even there like my physical body is in a shootout with some fools right and and my spirit is like 10 feet away from from me observing the whole fucking thing and then fucking, you know, fucking I jump a fence, take off running, and I end up spending the entire night underneath a freeway bridge contemplating the whole thing on acid. Now, that type, I'm like, fuck, I'm going to drop another tab. Ugh. And yeah. I and, 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 and then I can see it in my mind exactly how – and that's where the whole Lucifer rising comes from because from that time when that shit happened, I saw my physical body and I was I was the devil. 
I was the fucking devil. And I'm like, oh shit, I'm the fucking devil. I'm a fucking demon. I'm a real fucking beast. And then here we are. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that is, that is uh, that's who, I that's saw. quite the journey right that, that's there. That's who I saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When my spirit popped out of my body yeah. and I looked at my body, I, I was a demon. How often were you dropping acid back then? Daily, weekly, monthly? Like what? All the time, man. Really? All the, All time. the time. I remember like one whole fucking summer. Damn. There was one summer that I was like on acid the whole fucking time. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm so eccentric yeah. and my way of thinking and my way of being and like why I am a fucking cholo right, goth. Right. Because I just. That's like, a hard drug to recharge from, man. I'm surprised you were able to keep doing it all every day. You feel me? Like that's like. Uh, yeah. I don't know how the fuck. Um, it's crazy on your body on acid. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it takes a lot out of you. It does, homie. You know what I'm saying? It knocks you out. And yeah. if you're not strong-minded, homie, that should have destroyed you. There's a couple times that I know that I was like really – I think it even made me suicidal for a bit, uh. to be honest with you. I remember when I was like – there's a period in my life that was super suicidal. And I really think it might have been just like a, a, from that. like that Yeah, shit. coping yeah. with fucking all the acid that I had yeah. done. and. You know, I still get flashbacks sometimes, like when I'm performing wow. or doing stuff, and all the really? adrenaline, and every every fucking cell in my body is being stimulated. Like I fucking like snap out, like I pop out, and I have these. I'll have inner dialogue with myself yeah. while I'm performing. So wow. I'm like doing two fucking things. I'm performing, and I'm having like this fucking existential fucking conversation with myself about what's happening right there and then. And sometimes I have these situations where like I'm actually like trying to evict like spirits or entities out. Of my being as I'm performing, and it's 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 it's, it's, it's when I'm performing, man. A lot of shit is happening to me. Like I've seen photographs, and I'm like, yo, fuck, that's not even me, dog. That's dope. I, I mean, I always think the best performers like really lose themselves in the performance. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's catching that Holy Ghost right there. Yeah, man. Shout outs to fucking LSD. Uh, there you go. Uh, what happens when you graduate high school? I didn't. I got my GED actually at when like the age out? of 36. I dropped out probably when I was fuck. I don't know, maybe like 16 or some yeah. shit. I got shot at, man. I was with my girlfriend at the time. She was pregnant. We were walking out of fucking, we were walking out of school. I had a whip back then too, man. I were were you still going to PB? To I was go going to PB, okay, yeah. Okay, so you had a car and you, at that point you're driving yourself well, over there? Yeah, I used to, well, yeah, because I used to steal cars. Uh, uh, I used to steal RX-7s a lot. That's uh, kind of a lost art form, huh? Yeah, I used to fucking That was a real hot thing models. in the 90s, That's though. what we called them, hot models. Uh. So I would always go to school with a different hot model and like, but I would always steal the same type of car. No shit. So it looked like that was my car, right? right? I always would steal even the same car that had the same color, like always the same color, same car. And fools was just like, "Yo, that's his car." And I was young, homie, like stunning them fools. I had like fresh threads. I had a car. Well, but what would you do with them afterwards? Just sell them to a sh uh, chop shop? I had a couple things that yeah. I would do. Like first, I would strip them if they had a six sound system, and I would I just had a bunch of fucking sound systems, like, and yeah. I would like um you know give them to the homies from my neighborhood, or I'd sell them or do whatever. And then there was this fool down in Tijuana they would it wasn't a lot but at the time I think I felt like it was a lot he would I would just drop off cars to his shop and mm -hmm. he would just give me like a hundred bucks <laughs> that is not a lot for that a car that is not a lot that's not a lot for a car yeah <laughs> I but, was thinking you were gonna say like a couple grand no, or something but I would wow. keep the, I mean I would keep the cars for like a, a good week or yeah, so yeah. you know what I mean so yeah. I was, was rocking them for a while it was like you were getting paid to yeah. rent a car yeah. yeah and then and then one day my dad bought me my dad worked really hard and surprised me and bought me this little truck oh no shit yeah and I was just like fuck I was and actually after he bought me that little truck I just I, got, I mean I, I went and installed a bunch of trucks so I could deck out my truck <laughs> so then my truck was all decked 
bad. It was like yeah. so dope. It was a mini truck wide. It was so fucking dope. And then one day, someone stole my truck. No. They stole my truck, homie. Karma's a motherfucker and, right there. And it hurt me so much. Like, it devastated me. Yeah. And I never, and and I never stole after that. There you go. After my fucking truck, Lesson I stole, learned. I was like, oh my god. Where did they get jacked at? Was it in your neighborhood? Yeah. Shut up. Real shit, That's dog. That's so funny. And after that, I just like I stopped stealing, homie. It hurt me so much. I was like, yo. This is what it feels like to yeah. lose your fucking shit that you worked so hard for. Yeah. Because even though, I mean, even it wasn't the stuff that I stole. It was that my dad bought it. It was that my, I know what my dad did it for a living. To you. And my dad worked really fucking hard. It wasn't, my dad wasn't like, uh, you know, a gangster or nothing. It was just a hardworking yeah. dude. And for him to buy me something, I know he must have been saving since the day he came from Mexico. You know right, what I mean? Like right. he must have been fucking saving for right. God knows how long. But he, um. Wait, so hold on. I'm going to reel you back in again. Yeah. When you you get shot at, you get shot at in PB? Is that? Yeah, well, actually, like, it, was at Mission, it was a Mission Bay High Mission, School. Yeah, okay. man. We're walking out, man. We're fucking walking out of fucking school. Blah, blah, blah. And, well, and you have, you say you have, have a girlfriend pregnant, that's I pregnant. I have a pregnant chick. Yeah, my, my how, girl. How far along was she? Oh, man. She was big. Probably like six months. Jeez. And fucking, you So know, you knocked her up when you were 16? Yeah. Wow, you guys got off to an early start. Yeah. No, I was, I was, you know, I was a popular kid, man. <laughs> so. <laughs> so you have your pregnant girl. Yeah, and we're walking out and this fucking, this rival gang rolls up on me and they fucking, I remember, homie, they fucking just pull out their straps like straight movie style, homie, and they start blasting. I throw my chick on the ground. I get on top of her so the bullets don't fucking hit her. And we didn't get hit, homie. And that was the day I dropped out. I was like, yo, I'm done. I'm not going to this fucking school. Right. I was like. Like, I'm not coming back to this shit. So, and then I, I just dropped out. And then, and then I just was I was gangbanging gang full time. All, all so, day. Yeah, all day. Because they, it creates like, um, you know, an effect, right? Where it's like back and forth. The back and forth thing. So, you know, I was like, oh, yeah? You want to fucking shoot at me with my fucking pregnant chick? So then I started looking for them. And then, you know, I'd get one of them. And then they'd look for me and then it, and then fuck homie and then it just like escalates and it just fucking landslides and then it just right. and then you're gangbanging full time 24 yeah. 7 then it's just like you don't even remember how it even started you just know like yo I, I gotta get them before they get me right but I got they got me a lot too homie I've, I've been stabbed I was stabbed in the forehead homie they got me right in my fucking forehead when was that um I can't even I mean can't even remember like when it was. I was oh, about yeah, the same thing, the sixteen. You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've I've gotten it too. You know, yeah. I've gotten them too. They got me. I got them. It's, it's you know. Well, uh, let's talk about the pregnancy when you're sixteen. Yeah. Uh, well, my kid. I had my kid when I was. I think I turned like eighteen. Eighteen. So okay. she must have been 17, seventeen. Like going on eighteen. Yeah, yeah. So was it? Ever, did you? You guys just knew instantly that you're gonna keep it, or did, was yeah, that a thing man. when you were talking about? Yeah, it? yeah I was like, like we're gonna keep this, okay. baby. Yeah, we're in love, you know. What was the we plan? We were in love. Yeah, you're, did you well, guys get a place together? Yeah. Yeah. We got a little place together for a bit. You know, I was making really good money. Yeah. <clears throat> I was making, right, man, I was making like three. Back in the 90s, this was a lot of money. Now it's nothing we fucking make fucking like fucking yeah, yeah. 20 times that now right. in one show. But I was making like fucking a three grand a month. Yeah. You know, no, I was in the 90s, a, that's great. Yeah, I was a fucking kid. So I got our own place and I was like, yeah, we're going to do this thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so did you stay in the neighborhood or where did you go? Yeah, I stayed in the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, it's always safe for you. Right. I mean, it's, it, it is and it isn't, right? Because you, you're safe because that's your neighborhood, but then fools go there looking for you. Because they know where you're at. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's it's what you know at the time. So yeah. how, how is it as a 17, 18-year-old father? 
You had a daughter or a son? I had a daughter. Her name is Ashley. We actually haven't talked in a year as of recently, man. We had a, 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 a you know, yeah. we're like, she, she's, ups, we're upset at each other. She broke my heart. And I'm just like, right now I can't even like forgive her, man. Uh-huh. So I'm staying away from her. I'm just giving her space and she's giving me my space. Uh-huh. And it sucks because I love her, man. But like, fuck, I can't even identify with her right now and, and especially now she's tried to reach out a couple of times but it doesn't feel sincere i feel like she's just fucking with me because of the popularity with the band and right. you know we're playing coachella and whatnot and i feel like man she doesn't even fucking love me man she just wants to fucking ride this wave yeah shit. come to coachella so uh-huh. i'm not fucking with her right now because she did something to me that really fucking hurt me like you don't do that shit to your parents especially to one that i mean i've i've, I've done everything in my fucking power for her, you know, to like make her happy. I've provided, I've changed my life. Actually, I stopped doing drugs because of her, because I didn't want her to like, you, you know, I, I, I changed. I mean, I've done a lot for her. And Did then, you change all that stuff right when she was born? No, no, not when she was born. So like, you were when like she started, wilding out when she I was you, wilding out. Yeah. I was wilding out, but I changed when she was like 16, when she was started kind of like realizing and she right. can communicate like, yo, what's happening here right. with you? And, um, Maybe even younger. I think she might have been like, yeah, maybe she was like 16, 15. I remember like w- her mom and I weren't together anymore, but um, I had my crib. You know, I bought my crib. I was I was doing good, man. That's the thing with me, man. I, you know, that's another thing that I've always – I've had this like magnetism where like I can pull what I want out of life. Like money, women, like friend, whatever I want. And like, I, you know, I bought my first house when I was like fucking like – 25 or something oh, no like so maybe even younger yeah like i bought my own pad i like how long did you guys stay in the place together uh as kid or like when, when yeah, it was you not and the, that long. And the mo- i think we probably stayed to like a year or so yeah. and then we you know i was always did you so guys upset. break up and move out or was it like yeah. you guys try to make it work no we we broke up and yeah. and, and, and we went our separate ways it was like i, we, I was just I, I was always just so eccentric like even even when i was being a gangster full time, I was still really eccentric. Right. And to this moment, and and it was, it's really sometimes hard to people because, you know, I have an abstract mind and abstract thoughts, and and in a way, sometimes people like feel, um, as if, and it's you know, it's, man, it's hard for me to like, like, it's hard, it's hard for me to give my myself away like a hundred percent because i have guarded yeah i have this relationship with myself that's so heavily invested like i'm like in love with myself Uh. and it threatens people and it threatens the whoever i'm seeing because they're like yo this was just he's in love with himself only and it makes it. Well, do you have love to give other people? Or no? I do. Yeah. I do, and I and I give out as much as I can. But sometimes they they um, especially back then, I think it, it, it was a situation where like um, they wanted to change me, and they thought like they started making it more about them than about who I am and who they All are, right. like our, our individual personalities. And they wanted me to speak and behave a certain way, and I was like, no, this is who I am. And, and it was I, actually she gave me an ultimatum between my father and I. At this time, these are a lot of different stories that are like That's you right. know they might not make sense because the timeline is, is not accurate, but but we're because we're weaving everything together. But at this time, like. During this time, I had already like stopped gangbanging because my, you know, I had a, I was gangbanging because I, but not 
hardcore and I was really making my way out. I was trying right. to like change my life. So, but you can't just stop when they be like, yo, I had a kid. I'm stopping. I still had like shit to finish shit right. that I had started. My right. father wanted to open up a restaurant with me. I had all this money. So we went and opened up the restaurant together. So now I'm trying to, yeah. go, you know, walk you guys a straight have, line. For context, you guys have one of the like first vegan restaurants in yes. San Diego or Southern California or something, right? Correct. Yeah. Oh, okay. We've had it for 20 years. How, how did that come about? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it came about because you know I had all my white homies and like I had a lot of you know my dad was a, a chef and and I, we wanted to open up a restaurant and we did and I had the money to do it at the time. So Where, we, what neighborhood did you do downtown? It downtown, downtown, yeah. and now it's called East Village. But we opened up this restaurant. And so at this time now, I had a kid. I'm yeah. living with her. Right. Uh, you know, and I'm, you're kind of tr- trying to go yeah, straight. I'm trying to go straight. I'm yeah. trying to get out of gangs and not be doing that life even though I'm, you know, making money and doing good. But now my dad and, and a lot of, you know, when my da- daughter was born, I did change. I yeah. did change. I was like, yo, this is my, my little girl and I, I, I want to protect her and I want to love, you know, give her, provide a life. And I, I love my, I love my daughter, even though we don't talk right now. I, I love her, you know, right. she's my daughter. And, um, you know, I was, fuck, I need to start changing. And my parents also were like, yo, you have a kid now. What are you going to do? You're still going to be on the streets. And I was like, and a lot of my homies, my cousins smoked some fools and is doing life in prison and all this other shit was happening in the neighborhood too, where the fools were getting like killed. So they don't want to see that happen to you. So yeah. they're like, let's figure something out. Yeah. And I don't want to see it happen to me yeah. either. So, and, and, and I was like, fuck it. You know what? Let, let me try to like, like listen to my parents for change and right. i mean i did this for them anyways i got into this gang to protect them and now maybe me get you know slowing my role will also protect them and the family and myself and that nature so i you know i i i talked to the homies actually i sat with the homies i'm like yo this is what i'm trying to do right now this is where i'm at in life and i'm trying to like do this and do that and because i had put in so much work and because i you know i was with the business they were like yeah homie like you you know you earned it homie like go ahead go do your thing you know you put in your work you're with it like go go do your thing and i was respected i already was respected so and they love me they're not when you when you create a bond through 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 blood and violence yo that bond is forever so if you want something they're gonna give it to you and i was like yo i'm just asking for this and it wasn't like i was asking for much i wasn't asking to get out i was just asking like yo i want to like fucking help my family i never said hey i want to get out I just said, hey, man, I want to, like, help my family. I want to, you know, I have a kid now. I want to provide. I, w- I want to do these things now. And But I- I'm just not going to be on the streets gangbanging, but I'm still from the set. And they're like, yeah, homie. Because that's where people get it twisted. Some people, they want to change, and they think, like, by getting out, like that, it, like that's changing. It's like no, you can still be from it and still be a productive member of society. You don't have to like, oh, I gotta get out and that'll stop me from doing crime. No, you just don't do crime. It's not as black and white as yeah. People you think don't it have is, to. Do, right. You don't have to do crime. No one's forcing you to fucking do crime. No one's forcing me to go fucking get in these fucking gunfights. It's just uh, you. You know, it's not like you're from the. Yeah, it is part of it, but when you start getting more involved and more familiar with everyone and you become friends and everyone knows you and your family and you know the inner workings of each other people like they respect you and they're like yo homie you're one of us if this is going to help you make you happy go get it so i had you know i had a meeting with the homies and they're like yo go get it man go help your family do your thing how do you how do you guys learn how to 
uh, get all the pro- – I mean I feel like starting a restaurant is a kind of a hard racket to get into. How did you guys figure my it father, out? My you just fa- knew about oh, Yeah, my father has b- had been in the restaurant business all his life and then I, d- I was too. Like believe How'd it or guys- not, I was, I was, I was working yeah. in restaurants too all before – every summer. Every yeah. summer before I got into shit, my dad, right. I'd go and make a little bit of money there well, too. I feel, like, I feel like knowing how to run the restaurant is probably the easier part for yeah. you. But how do you do all the paperwork stuff and the legal stuff of like uh, leasing a building and getting the permits? I don't, blah, even blah, know, blah. I don't even know how I did it, but yeah. I, I did that myself. I was 18 out. years old. I remember I fucking just called the number, the dude, and then I asked around, man. I asked a lot of questions, and I remember I got myself an accountant and everything, man. The accountant that I got was amazing. She guided me through the whole thing. Yeah. I got um, Yolanda Ramos. We're still, she's still uh, my accountant to this day. Hey, because, shout out Yolanda. Yeah, Yolanda Ramos, man. She was a blessing. Like, I went and I got the, you know, I, I called. I, I called, you know, we found the building. I called the number, made an appointment with the landlord, got the lease. Homeboy was like, damn, you're 18 and your dad doesn't speak English. He, like, he, it was a fucking rundown piece of shit building, too. Yeah. So the like, guy was probably, like, just stuck to get someone in there. But the dude was like, you know, I'll, I like you. I'm going to take a chance on you and your dad and I'll, I'll lease you the building. And, and, and the landlord actually gave me some advice, too. Yeah. He was like, yo, you know, your first step. Because, you know, my... He was like, you should get a, an accountant. So then, like, he recommended one, and then I called Yolanda, and then she's been with me yeah. to this day rocking. And she actually is the one that told me, look, you need to go to the city and get this permit. You need to do that. You do. Right. And then I just went and did it. Basically, she gave me a list of things to do, and I went and I did them, and I learned. How uh, how did you guys come up with the concept of it being a vegan restaurant? Because I don't think yeah. at the time that wasn't popular. No, that thing was nothing. So yeah, how did I, you, what, what inspired that? That inspired the culture, man. Like, I, like again, the music yeah. that I was listening to. Yeah. Again, the music. It, it all has to do with the music. Uh-huh. The music inspired. Were you it, the listening culture. to like straight edge music? Or yeah, what? I was yeah. listening to everything. Oh, Morrissey's yeah. a vegetarian. Mor- Morrissey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was again the the it was the music that inspired it. No shit. Yeah, and, and was and your because, dad used to cooking vegan food or no? Yeah, but I mean, we yeah. grew up really poor, so oh, like yeah. we only had meat when we had extra my my family had extra money right so right. we grew up, like i kid you not man this is so like it probably is stereotypical or whatever but like we grew up on rice and beans right. like we we really did yeah like that was like an everyday fucking thing for us and and i still get down like that man i think one of the reasons why i'm so like thin is because i still just get down with like rice and beans i don't really yeah. you know yeah nothing i mean my life has changed but i how, haven't how's the, the neighborhood that you guys moved the restaurant into it was like not uh, not a thing at the time no huh? not a thing at the time and but now it is like a now no, it's no, a cracking it's neighborhood or what it's a cracking neighborhood now too but you know we were the first uh, vegetarian restaurant in san diego yeah first vegetarian restaurant in san diego and because of it like all the bands came and because i love music like my place became the hub our restaurant became the hub for music we would throw i would throw shows dog oh no shit i was throwing i was throwing huge fucking music festivals in my restaurant uh. we would close the restaurant down and once a year to celebrate the the opening of the restaurant i would invite all the fucking bands from san diego that i knew that i grew up with because yes i was a gangbanger but i also had this side of me that i was still involved with which which was music i was right. a music lover right. and and i I love live bands. Yeah. And I, I still, there were all my homies still, and they were like, they weren't judging me because I was a gang when they're like, yo, you're not coming over here and fucking, you know, starting shit with us. You just come over here and kick it and you're the homie because, again, that was my escape. Right. So when I was like, yo, I'm going to start doing these fucking music festivals at my restaurant like once a year, like, homie, we would sell, we became like such a huge restaurant, like, 
Very popular. I made a lot of money off of that restaurant. You guys are still open, yeah? Still open, yeah. 20 years. Is your dad still running the joint? My father passed away in 2005. I'm sorry. And, I'm sorry. And, and, and that's when I sold, thank you. And that's when I sold the restaurant to my brother because I didn't want to do, I didn't want anything to do with it anymore. After my dad died, I was, I was done with the restaurant. How'd your dad pass? He, uh, um, he died because of diabetes oh, and, and because of like, uh, He's just fine, man. He just didn't take care of himself a lot of it, and but that was hard on me too because we got a huge. I was taking care of him for like four years when my, well, I was making a lot of money actually off of the restaurant. Yeah. Before I sold it, and were I you wasn't in there even, on the daily working with him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there with him. I mean, we started it together from the ground up. I right. mean, I remember when we first started, man. We were oh, listen, oh, this ties back into the story of my girlfriend why she left me. So uh, yeah, let's talk about this shit. The restaurant. Go ahead. Go ahead. My girlfriend at the time. So what happened was. I'm no longer gang banging, right? Yeah. I'm I'm fucking I'm trying to start a business from the ground up with my dad and it's right. so involved, right? Like you said, the permits and all this stuff and it's like stressing me out, asking my homies for help and their homies like, We ain't helping you with that shit. We don't yeah. know nothing. Right, fuck right. off, leave us alone. And I'm like, fuck. Okay, I gotta figure this out on my own. So I finally get this restaurant open. It's just me and my dad, homie. Me and my fucking dad. So we're working seven days a week, fucking we're there from like six in the morning to fucking midnight. My dad's diabetic, so he has these crazy seizures. So sometimes he passes out. I'm fucking like at this point, I'm 18 years old. I'm an 18 year old kid trying to run this restaurant with my dad. I'm fucking, I'm, I'm, I'm the waiter. I'm the dishwasher. I'm the cook. I'm the prep cook. And my dad is just like the cook, mm-hmm. right? And I'm working the register. We're doing everything, right? Um, he, we're making like a hundred dollars a day, right. right? To fucking pay rent, so we're making nothing. We're fucking broke. Right. I went from making all this fucking money with my homies doing stuff, and for whatever reason, my homies was like, "We're let's sell drugs for the rest." I'm like, "I can't do that, man. This is my dad's spot. Like that ain't gonna go down." So I went for, a, I went to a, my life changed. I went to a straight and narrow path for for a long time. I was just really working really hard, man. Working really fucking hard, like tears blood being shed all the time i would i would man I, life was so difficult for me back then and um i was trying my best man to do the right thing and my baby's mama at the time you know she was used to me having lots of money mm. so she gives me an ultimatum you know she says we're living together I, we have to lose the, the place actually we had to lose the apartment right because i wasn't making no money so i went to go live in with my family and she went to go live with hers and i was trying to make whatever whatever little money to to help her with the kid so at that at this time, she fucking basically wants me to go back to my old ways. Right. And she gives me an ultimatum. She's like, hey, check it out. That's why in my song, Drugs, when I'm like, give me ultimatums and I'm going to choose me. Right. Ba- baby mama tripping, you know, baby mama tripping, cause, but whatever. I can't even remember my own <laughs> lyrics. But it's about that time she in my life. She basically tells you, you need to go start making this money again or that's it. That's it. Yeah. And I chose my dad. Wow. I love my dad, man, so much. Even though we fought so much, I love my dad with all my fucking being. And um, uh, she gave me an ultimatum, and I I fucking chose my father. I chose my family. I chose the restaurant. 
And uh, for fucking six years, we didn't do fucking anything, like $100 a day, man. I remember my dad would have these seizures. I would send him home. I'd be in the restaurant by myself, homie, like working the fucking restaurant for myself. Like people would come in and I fucking would serve them. I would take their order. People would come in and I'd, and I'd walk up to them and say, hey, listen, I, have a, I had a little spill that I would say as soon as someone walked in. They would yeah. walk in and say, hey, you know, I'm here by myself. So if you're in a hurry, um, it's going to take a while. But if you have the time you can sit and, and eat and there yeah. some people would be like no i'm in a hurry some people would stay the people that would stay i would bring them the menu i would bring them their silverware i would bring them their drinks i would bring them their their you know right. their chips or whatever and right. then i would take their order i'd go in the back make their food i'd come back and serve them and then i'd fucking clean their table and then i'd go wash the dish i'd ring them up and then that was me i was the whole running the whole fucking show man right. for a long ass time homie i would cry every night myself to sleep i would walk home i was super super suicidal i had lost my 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 baby's mama i was making no more money i was no longer popular i was no longer cool the homies from the neighborhood had kind of like they were still involved in shit and they were just like homie you chose that life right you chose that's your yes you're doing you chose that life go go be the restaurant guy and i was like fuck and i was just man i was having this this crisis man i just what what got you out of it Fucking, we started making money. Yeah, how? Fucking six years after, like, after I started doing the, I started, okay, so so I was real suicidal. Yeah. And one of my homies, one of my white homies comes to the restaurant one day to visit me from school. And he's like, what's up, dog? Like, what's up? And I'm like, man, life, mommy, like, it's not the same no more, blah, blah, blah. He's like, let's go to a show, homie. Uh -huh. Let's take you to a show. So we went to a show and we saw this band called Geiger One, this mm -hmm. punk band. And then all of a sudden, I just remember who the fuck I was and what I loved. And then the homie was like, I'm going to help you. And he came and then he started helping. He was waiting. He became our waiter. And he and he fucking, because he was punk. He was on the streets. He was homeless. He was like one of my um, white homies. He was just like grimy punk rocker. Gutter kid. punk. He gutter kid. punk. Yeah. And he's like, fuck it. And he lived in the restaurant. And we just built that restaurant together. We started throwing shows. We oh, tried doing really? all this shit. Him and I, my boy, Robert yeah. Pardue. What's up, Robert Pardue? Love you, man. Shout out, Robert Shout out. Pardue. He's in fucking San Bernardino now. I love you, Robert, man. I fucking love you, homie. Changed my life, dog. So Robert came in and we started fucking, he started waiting tables and I started cooking. So, so then I, you guys have an angle to it because yeah, now you're, you're like, oh, music. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're bringing in music, yeah. doing shows. Fucking six years go by. Fucking I'm making three grand a fucking day. Yeah. I went from making $100 a day to three grand a day. Boom, I went out fucking bought a house for my mom. Did you guys like change the interior and nothing, stuff? Like theme it or anything? Nothing, no, just kept it the kept same, it but it was just the, the music. That it was they, just the yeah, music. We're yeah. having live bands, bands all the time. Yeah. And um, we provi provided an environment for them because they didn't, Back, San Diego didn't have that. It didn't have an outlet for those bands. There was only the Shake Cafe and there and and, and you know Soma. Hot so, Monkey Love. Yeah, Hot Monkey Love too. Hey, Remember shout, that? Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Hot Monkey Love. Yeah. And then there was us. Yeah. And we fucking provided this platform and fuck man, I started making hella money and then everybody that like baby's mama all of a sudden right wants to get back on the ride. I'm like hell no. Now I. Now I'm winning. I got a brand new whip. I bought my mom a house. Fucking we started making money, homie. And yeah. then like, you know, then my dad passed away, man. And when he did, I just, I, I couldn't fucking, I, I just couldn't be there anymore. Like that, yeah. like his spirit would haunt me because we had a, we had a really nasty fight right. the day he passed away. You see, like I started making a lot of money from this restaurant. My dad got really sick. So my dad never got to enjoy the fruits of his labor, the fruits of, of this fucking, the earnings of this restaurant because right. he was sick. He was doing dialysis all the fucking time, which 
I, I feel like dialysis is really what killed him, even though another thing took place, yeah. which was him and I getting in a fight. But so I had my dad in a nursing home because my mom was working and there was no one to take care of him. But then I didn't have to work. I didn't have to do anything because I was making all this money. So one day I just was, you know, I'd go see my dad every day at the nursing home anyways. I would I would spend all day at the nursing home with my dad. I loved him so much. Uh-huh. And, I, and my dad was like, you know, I don't want to be here no more. Like I, I want, if I'm going to die, I want to die at home. Uh-huh. No, it's like, you're right, dad. And I went. And I, I'm, I'm going to come and get you. So I went to the nursing I went and talked to the staff. I'm like, I'm getting my dad out of here. Just I signed the paperwork. And I went and I fucking, I rented a fucking badass convertible. And I came to the nursing home and I fucking picked up my dad in this fucking convertible. Put yeah. his wheelchair in there and we fucking just cruised around the beach with the fucking top down. And I was like, you're going home, dad. Let's go. And we fucking went home. And then I was so inspired by 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 that deed that I was like, you know what? I'm going to be my dad's nurse. Uh-huh. Fuck this shit. Because my dad was blacklisted from all the nursing the nursing community because he was really rude. Uh-huh. He was an asshole. My yeah. dad was an asshole and he would say rude things. Uh-huh. So like no amount of money would – no one wanted to work with my dad, uh-huh. you know? So – I was like, fuck it. I'm going to just be my dad's nurse. And I told my mom, you know what? I'm going to fucking quit work. I'm just going to take care of my dad. I don't work anyways. I just fucking go get money. And she was like, okay, that's awesome. And I started taking care of my dad. I became my dad's nurse. I would make him his food. I would, you know, my dad couldn't control his bowel movements. So he would soil himself. Yeah, he had right. to wear a right, men's right. diaper. And um, so so I would change him and I would I would clean him and do this. But then four years went by and they fucking started wearing on me, dog. I was telling. Oh, you did that for four years. I took care of my dad for four years. Wow. And then my dad, the sicker he got, the the more abusive he became. Uh, yeah. And 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 it's hard and, to keep and, a, a and positive ugly, attitude. Yeah, at and, that. and ugly man, he was being really ugly with me. And he, I was trying to get him on these really cool diets to help him, you know, organic, just organic eating and all these things to help him like build his his body back and he was cheat all the time i would catch him he'd have cigarettes he would mm. do all this crazy stuff and i was like we would get in fights because i was working so hard to trying to get him healthy and he was doing the opposite and one day he would say abusive things and and i know now i know now it was just because he was in pain and he was you know he was hurting his it was his way of being in control by saying my body's no longer strong but i can be abusive to you and you ain't gonna do shit because i'm your dad i'm gonna right. be a jerk and because he was hurting, he was in pain. So at that time, I didn't see it see it like that because I was just tired and tired from taking care of him. I mean, he would soil himself a lot and I would always say, hey, dad, you got to. And at this time, I didn't even think about like I knew that he didn't wasn't doing it on purpose. Right. He would right. soil himself. And I would say, dad, like every when you're going to soil yourself, let me know so I can take you to use the restroom or so that I can wash you yeah. because it dries up on you. And then right, by that right, time right. I smell it. And then, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you're getting all these rashes on your skin right. and you need you need to tell me these things before they happen. Right. But I'm not I'm not thinking that he can't. He doesn't even he doesn't know that he fucking it. soiled he himself. Doesn't right. Yeah, he totally. doesn't realize it. Totally. But I'm over here being a fucking jerk and giving him a hard time about it all the fucking time. Right. And and but I'm not doing it on purpose. I'm just like unaware, not informed, not thinking straight because I'm like. At this time, I'm, like, smoking so much pot because that's all I do. Like, I'm not even – again, I go back to not being popular, right? Uh, I was popular again when the – Concentrating on just yeah. keeping your dad Because I went from not – time be- for other shit. Yeah, I went from not being popular to being popular once the restaurant got f- famous again. I had all this uh-huh. money and all this shit. And then now I'm taking care of my dad again. Now I'm back to no friends, nothing. I just – I'm just taking care of my dad 24-7 for four years. And um, one day he, you know, he soils himself – 
and I made him food, and he was like, fuck this food, and then he's just being a dick, and then I, I change him, I make him a bath, I change him, and then he goes in on me, and he's like, oh, you know what? You're a little fucking faggot, huh? And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah. The only reason you do this is because it gives you the opportunity to fucking play with my dick. Because you like fucking grabbing my nuts and this and that. You little faggot. You're just a little faggot. And I was like, yeah, dad, this is all I live for is to fucking clean your your balls that are soiled. And, and, you know, you're... You know, right, right, I'm right. like, this is, yeah, th- this turns me on, Dad. Thanks, man. Right. And it fucking, it just hit that switch, dog. Mm-hmm. It just, because I felt like he wasn't appreciating me. Right. And it just fucking, it just hit that switch where I fucking lost it. And I manhandled him, dog. Oh, jeez. And it, I grabbed him. I put his clothes on really rough. Yeah. Aggressively. And I slammed him on his bed. And I'm like, Fuck you. And I left, homie. I left and I went and I called some of my homies from the neighborhood. Yeah. I got high. And my mom calls me. She's like, where are you? And I'm like, man. She's like, why are you? Why aren't you with your dad? And I was like, man, fuck that motherfucker, man. I'm sick of his fucking shit. I hope he fucking dies. And then my mom's like, well, you got your fucking wish. Oh, that's terrible. So my dad in that bed because I wasn't there because I slammed him. I don't know. He vomited. And he choked on his vomit. And then I lost it, homie. Oh, I'm so sorry. I lost and I became a demon again. I became a savage. I I was looking to punish myself by getting myself in situations that were, you know, dangerous to to me and to others. I started, man, I, 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 man, I stabbed a bunch of people during that time for no reason just because it would look at me funny. And I'd oh, be like, man. man, I ended and that's how I ended up in jail, man. I ended up in jail. How like, long were you in jail? Six months. Yeah. And that's when my dad came to me in a dream and he forgave me. And the dream was just as, 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 as real as this conversation that you and I are having. Um, you know, I was wondering what happened. I was like, yo, what happened? What changed? Like, why am I even here? And like, why am I so angry? And why am, why do I hate myself so much? And why am I creating all these distractions to, to just, you know, for my life that are negative ones? Like I was womanizing heavily. I was, you know, drinking and popping pills and shooting people and, you know, like just stabbing people and doing all this fucked up shit. And then I got caught, man. I got in a fight in a bar with this guy and this girl, and I beat both of them up. I broke the girl's arm. I fucking, you know, I went savage and shit, and I got caught. And I mean, thank God I got caught for that because I had actually done even worse shit that I didn't get caught for. But yeah. I got locked up. So the the it was for assault charges. Then, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. For me, it's always been violence. All my charges, all my charges that I that I have. I mean, my record's expunged now, yeah. oh, so they can't fucking find out what i did but they were always for violence I, I i was a violent offender like my shit was never for drugs never for it was always just for violence right like um so i i, I go to jail and i'm sitting there trying to put what the pieces you, together if you do six months what do you get sentenced for is it like that's like they were trying to no, no, they're trying to give me seven years homie oh, they're trying to give me seven years but i had fucking lots of money yeah so dog money talks bullshit walks i mean like real shit and that's what's happening up with the system a lot of the homies that are locked up it's just because they don't have the, you know the, the money to, to yeah yeah and, and luckily for me i had fucking money if not i'd still be locked yeah. up there'd be no fucking prayers at that point when you were 
getting locked up, did you did you look like this? Like you had the full yeah, head tattoo? Yeah. How long had your head been blasted? I'm for a long ass time. I've really? been tattooed for a long time. Yeah. I just recently started touching it back up. That's yeah. what it is. People are like, oh, you got your shit all blasted like that so quick. I'm like, no. My I've been my head's been blasted. It's just that I've yeah. been like it, you know, the it fades ta- over time. It, it fades over yeah. time, and I've just been touching it up. That's yes, yeah. so having. I mean, I feel like if I would have seen somebody in the earlier mid two thousands with a full head tattoo, I'd be like, that's a wild motherfucker because you didn't used to see that. Yeah, 10, no, 15 I had years a ago. fucking. I have a swastika th- tattooed on my throat. A, really? bu- a Buddhist. Oh yeah, a yeah, Buddhist yeah. swastika. Right. Yeah, and I got that shit at a really young age before my motherfuckers still don't know that it's Buddhist. They right. think it's Nazi. They're like, what's this fucking mexican doing with a fucking you know swastika on his throat i got right. in a lot of fights for my for my throat tattoo homie uh-huh. that shit that shit back then was like what who the fuck is this dude right and i'm a little ass dude oh man i got in so many fights for my because of my Are you tattoos drilled, like from the neck all the way my down my whole body Real i'm whole like body. yeah people yeah. ask me how many i just say just one big right, one so it's just, giant it's just one big tattoo hours of work but I'm, oh, in, yeah, I'm, in, I'm in jail. Yeah, you're in jail. And I'm trying to pick up all the pieces. Yeah. And I have this dream, homie, uh-huh. where my father presents himself to me. He comes to me in, in spirit and, and, and he forgives me. He says, hey, man, I love you. You're my son. Yeah. And I'm fucking proud of you. And my death had nothing to do with you. Yeah. He's all, you're my number one. Yeah. And we went and had dinner. In we the had dream. in the dream. We had dinner, and we went, and uh, we, we, he smoked his cigarettes because he, he loves smoking cigarettes. Right. He smoked his cigarettes, and I and I used to back then. I always used to like love Snicker bars. Yeah, and um and I we sat we sat in a bench. Actually, it was on a curve at this at this outside of the restaurant in Old Town because it, it was a, the, the dream, dream was in Old Town. Yeah, yeah. and we're fucking chilling, and I'm eating my candy bar, and I feel like a little kid. I feel, but I, but I can see my reflection in the glass of the restaurant, and I'm like an adult. Yeah. And I see my dad, and I see him, but I feel like this little kid. So yeah, man. So you see yourself as an I adult my, in the reflection. Yeah, and, but my 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 being. Yeah. Feels like this little kid, and my old man, man, he's just like, I love you. Yeah. I love you, man. Just live your life, homie. And then I fucking, I wake up. I wake up from that fucking dream. How'd you feel? Alive. My fucking life changed that day. I woke up from that dream and I was, I thought that me being in jail was the dream. Right. That's how real that dream was. I was like, yo, whoa, I'm dreaming right now. And then it took me like, I kid you not, like fucking 10 minutes to snap out of it and realize, no, oh, this is reality. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm in jail. Mm-hmm. And then I fucking started writing. Mm-hmm. I started writing. I wrote a fucking book and I was like, as soon as I got out of jail, so I'm doing music. I'm doing music. The day I got out of jail, I, I, I fucking went and got my my book published and I started doing music and now I'm fucking famous. <laughs> I love, oh, you was fun. That was funny. Uh, how, tell me about the book, man. Yeah, I wrote this book called Living Dangerously. Yeah. You and wrote then, it while you were in? Yeah. And how long did it? How long is copy, it? How, yeah, yeah, please do. I think we have one in the car. Hey, I would love to yeah. read it. Um, it, man, it didn't take me long, man. Well, just like, came right yeah, out? Yeah, it just, it just came right out, man. Yeah. Just when it was time for me to do it. Yeah. It just, it was time. And so you get out and find a publisher? How was that? No, I did it on my oh. own. Oh, you published it by yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. That's dope. Uh, independently, DIY, man. Just that punk ethic. You know what yeah. I mean? I still, I, I'm still DIY. We're still DIY, man. We're with no label. We're, we're s- fucking rocking hard as fuck. Everything we're doing DIY, man. We have our oh, management. Uh. We have our fucking lawyer and we have our fucking, uh, 
our booking agents. Shout out to fucking Gabriel from from United Talent Agency. Shout out to UTA man. Yeah, we, you know that's our family and our, our management undocumented. All the homies there. Yeah, man, we're fucking we're solo homies. You're still indie. We're still indie. I, I mean, thought, I thought you guys got signed like instantly. Hell, yeah, I, I figured it was going. Oh, we had we said we said no to everybody, that's man. Tight. You name it, all the lay all the major labels, homie. We're yeah. already, I don't even need to drop their names because yeah. we all know right, who they right, are. Right, right, right. They came, homie. They came with their contracts with their 360 contracts, and we were yeah. like, nah, dog, we're good. Well, we're gonna build this to the point where it's like, yo, you need us, we don't need you. That's, because we're that's a dog, smart way. I don't want to talk about money, but we make the motherfucking right. money to where we don't even have to go that right. route. We don't have to, you know. I already sold my soul to the devil. Why am I going to sell it to these fools? Well, and it's like we were talking about before we turn on the mics. It, it, there's a big difference between coming in as a 19 year old kid that has potential that labels see, oh, I can milk this, and being a grown 40 year old man that's fully presentable package and a mature yeah. adult that knows who he is. You, you, and you've already started your own business. I already wrote, it's just yeah. a fucking business. It's, it's just a it, business. You, if you know how, if you know about business, then you can be a musician. Yeah, you know what I mean, realistically. Yeah. And so it makes it, it makes perfect sense to me that things are going quickly with you guys, and that things are advancing quickly, and it makes perfect sense that labels would be interested in that because you're like a fucking fully formed adult who knows you just know who you are, and that's what art is is like knowing yeah. yourself, you know. And we have, I mean, fuck, and we're we're bringing in numbers. Yeah, we? no. For sure, and it, we it, love our fans, and yeah. they love us. I mean, it's more, and then it's not a fucking trend. It's right. like real, homie. Right. Motherfuckers got this shit tattooed on them. Yeah, yeah. Motherfuckers drive from all over to come see us. Yeah, they're rocking with us hard. It's yeah. like, yo, it's an identity. Right. It's a fucking identity. Right. And that's some whole new. That's next level shit. Yeah. Man. Because people identify with hip hop. Oh, I'm a hip hop dude. People identify with like rock and roll. I'm a rock. You know, I'm yeah. a. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a, a Rasta faring, you know, reggae dude with the dreadlocks. Homie, we're, Cholo Goth is a thing now. Like, right. it's a real fucking thing, and people are identifying with it. Well, there's finally, it's kind of like a, and it's always a, been for, there. a forefront or a voice to the culture. That's there's a voice there. to the culture yeah. that's always existed. Right. There's always been Cholo Goth, but there was, no one came and said, yo, this is who, who we fucking are and how we right. get down. Right. And now there is. So it's, dog, it ain't going nowhere, homie. We're the kings of this shit. That's dope. Yeah. Man, I'm happy for you, man. Thank you, fam. You lived a lot of life, dog. That was a great I, story. I did a lot of fucking lives, man. That's you know, I always. You, and that was one of my questions earlier that I was actually gonna like jot on my phone, but but like, uh, you know, as I get older, yeah. I'm about to be 35 this year, so I'm only a few years younger than you. But the point is, is like, I, I feel like life kind of goes in phases, and I yeah. can look through and go like, oh. 2000 was when this happened and that phase of my life started and yeah. it changed a little bit in 2008 or whatever you know yeah. what i mean do you feel like the music part is a new phase like does it does it feel like a a, it, a, a new section of your life well, where yeah you look it yeah. is because i'm active in it i've always yeah. been in music but yeah. i was always behind the scenes like i was the dude putting on the shows yeah but i wasn't the one playing the shows right and now like i'm 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 the fucking yeah now you're the one this, on the, in yeah, the front I'm, I'm the one on stage and yeah you know it's like uh I got interviewed like a while back and they asked me the same thing about like yeah. kind of like all these lives that I've lived like fuck you're you listen to this music but you're a right. cholo and then you right. do this and right, that right. and you owned a restaurant and you wrote a book and all this crazy shit and you know and there's other stuff that, that I've done that we haven't even right. talked about and that's like you know right stuff that's a big part of who I am too and that has shaped me and molded me and made me who I am but um outside of that just like you know but 
the way that I like to describe myself, and I think this also rings truth for a lot of people, not just for me, yeah. is that I'm the type of I'm the type of person that lives multiple realities simultaneously. Mm, right. 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 Yeah. Absolutely. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, shit, man. This is great. Thank you, brother. Yeah, thank you for having uh, me. Thank you for coming through, yeah, bro. Yeah, man. It's all love. Where can people find you? Because you're kind of hard to find online. Yeah, man. And that's the other crazy part, right? It's like we don't make it easy, but there, fuck uh, it. Ain't no we, Twitter, right? Yeah, yeah. No, no Twitter. No, we have a Twitter. You do have a Twitter? Yeah, it's called it's, uh, Little Heart. Fifty-three uh, K. Oh, that is you guys. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't tell if that was like a uh, like a fan fucking. Yeah. But I'm just for... not really active. I don't really yeah. know how to work Twitter. Right. I'm not really. So I really don't get. I just. I'm not really that good at it. But, that's all good. But you know my my our our Instagram, which I'm you yeah. know that's where I'm more active. Yeah. On is is prayers. Prayers. That's it. Just prayers. You and guys then our, got the good the our, good SEO on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Our so, management made yeah. that happen. So, they actually went in there and tight. like bought it or paid somebody nice. off or whatever. And then uh, I just got a fucking Snapchat. Uh, a Snapchat last night. My management made me get it, and it's uh, Leah Farsayer. Okay. You know, which is my name backwards. Rafael Reyes, Leo Farsayer. Okay. And, um, and, and then you, you guys got dope, really dope videos on YouTube. Thank you, fam. And we have we have a kind of a YouTube following. I think uh, is is how most of the people know about this podcast. So if you guys are on YouTube looking for stuff, just Google prayers, prayers SD, yeah. prayers Cholo Goth, any of that stuff. Yeah. will trigger their music videos to come up. They're all amazingly shot, really well done, uh, and just dope, interesting yeah. music, dark fucking electronica. You Thank know, you, brother. Yeah, man. Yeah, and I want to give a sh- another shout out, man, to my my partner, man. Dave Parlay, who I love Dave, where dearly. can people find you online? You got anything? What's that? Yeah, just Google Dave Parlay. D- Google Dave Parlay. Yeah, you, you can go. also just Google Leah Farsayer, Google Dave Parlay, and our shit just yeah. like pops up. Prayers. Prayers. It is a movement. It's a fucking the movement. Goth the Cholo Goth movement. Sold out, the, sold out the El Rey last night. That's a big, yeah. that's a big stepping stone because after the El Rey comes even bigger venues. Man, yeah, so. we sold out the fucking El Rey. Congrats, dude. Thank you, fam. Uh, yeah, you know, revel in this moment, man. It's a good time right yeah, now. Yeah, man, we're time. we're definitely like <clears throat> being present, yeah, and involved. Good. And um, I look forward to hearing more, man. Yeah. What, uh, are you guys? You guys are working on new stuff already. I yeah, assume. we're working on new stuff. Hopefully, we can get something out before Coachella. Good. And that's really the plan. Yeah. Tell the people the name of the EP one more time. Um. Well, we or have. LP. We, we have. We have three. We have prayers as the kill wave. Pre- yep. we, we have. Um, prayers gothic summer okay and we have prayers young gods which okay. is the one we put out with lasalle records uh, uh with travis barker shout out to travis barker and they're his all camp. on itunes yeah they're all on itunes bang bang there you go yeah all right man thank you so much again uh hey thank you fam for letting me right here vent and get, yeah. you know get my shit out Hey man, I'll tell you what. Whenever somebody cries on the podcast, I know that we did work. We yeah, did, homie, we did our I just I mean, my 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 dad, man. That's 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 the thorn right there hey, in mine, my heart. Mine too. Trust me. Well, you know, everybody that's listening knows my my father has Alzheimer's, oh. and uh, and so any talk about father stuff gets me going. And so yeah. last week, my my first episode of the new year was with my mom. We we, oh, wow. we do one every year, a podcast yeah. every because I'm just trying to like record her life. You know, that's dope. And so we start talking about her dad dying and my. Father 
fucking it, it, it hit me because she was my age when her father died, yeah. and so then I'm thinking about what I'm going through with my father, and I just like broke down on the podcast, like, uh, and so the same thing, kind yeah. of. The dad shit is a sore spot for many musicians, bruh. Yeah, 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 real shit, <laughs> you know what man. I mean? I mean, yeah, it's a real thing. Fathers are important, man. Stay are, out there, and yeah. take care of your go kids. Tell, go tell your dad that you love. Yeah, him. tell your dad you love. Uh, him. But yeah, thank you for coming in again. My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition. You can find me on Twitter at It's Intuition. You can find my man behind the boards, Ben Shim, making the shit sound buttery at I Am Database, based with two S's. Follow us as a unit at Kinda Neat, YouTube.com slash Kinda Neat. And uh, remember to download that podcast app, search for Kinda Neat, and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Uh, again, this is Prayers. Thank my you. name is Lee, and this was Kinda Neat. Shout out. <laughs>